Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the privilege and opportunity to be here this morning, God. You are good, you are faithful, and you are absolutely worthy of our worship. You're worthy of our praise. Lord, as we consider your goodness this morning, Lord, as we take a moment just to to consider your power, your mercy, just your character, Lord, I pray that every heart in this place would just be turned towards you, would exalt you. It's the most important thing that we could do this morning is to lift you up, Lord, exalt you, to worship your holy name, Lord. I pray that you would move in our, our presence this morning, God. You'd bless us, you'd challenge us. Lord, you know exactly what every heart needs. Every, every one of us is in a different place, but you know us all, Lord. You care for each one of us, and we ask that you just move and work. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I am so very thankful uh, for the opportunity to be here with you this morning. Uh, I, I, will, I will be as, as quick as I can. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll rush through a few things, try to get to, the, uh, to, to what I would deem as the more important things as I, as I keep, a, keep an eye on the time. I've got a nice little clock right here. I haven't seen that yet. I like that. Um, but uh, my name is Heath Williamson. I, I look around. I see, I see some familiar faces, some of you that I, that I know, maybe I work with, maybe I see at the uh, up at the ball field, whatever. So uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity, as I say, to stand before you and to give God glory and praise his name for what he's done uh, in my life. Um, I want to start by sharing just a little bit about, about myself, just kind of a, a little personal testimony that, that uh, chances are many of you probably don't know. But um, uh, I was born in Op, uh, grew up in Babby, and uh, the Lord saved me when I was nine years old. Nine years old at Babby Baptist, was the first time I remember being confronted with the truth of the gospel, that, that, that God loved me, that I was a sinner, that God made a way through his son, Jesus Christ, for me to, for me to be forgiven. And uh, even, even as a nine-year-old kid, beginning to understand in my mind and believe in my heart what that meant, that I was a sinner, that I needed to be forgiven. And, and it, I mean, it, it, I, there was not a doubt in my mind that, that the Lord was calling my heart and, it, and I had a desire, a burning desire to be, to be faithful and to, uh, to follow. Uh, you know, the scripture said, if we believe, in our hearts, we confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Lord, that you will be saved. And, and I'm so thankful for God's mercy as saving me as a nine-year-old kid. Not that I'm perfect. I live the, uh, I have up to this point, I, absolutely just like all of you, I, I'm not perfect. None of you are. None of us, none of us are. But God's been good to me. God, God's been involved in my life. He's drawn my heart uh, all through, uh, through, through growing up, and, I, and I'm thankful for that. Um, I want to share something that it, it, may seem, uh, it may seem a little silly when I say it now, but about the time I was, uh, like I say, the Lord saved me when I was nine, but, but uh, as, a, as a seventh grader at Op Middle School, I was, I was introduced to a man named Jay Driver, uh, who's my pastor now. Most of you know, uh, know Jay. Uh, Rachel and I and our family, we go, go to Good News. But in the seventh grade, we were still, uh, my family uh, there in Babby, we were still going to, to Babby, uh, you know, on and off most of the time there. But the Lord used Jay in my life uh, to really, uh, really begin to, to see something in, in Jay and his life and, his, uh, and what God was doing in his life and in his family. Where, where he he used, used him to draw my heart even closer to him. And, and the Lord ultimately led me to, to good news through, some, through some, uh, some really neat circumstances, led me there. And, I, and, and since, since seventh grade, uh, so you know, 12, 13 years old, uh, I've been at uh, I've been at Good News Baptist Chapel ever since then. God's been so good. He's He's grown me up. But about about that time, as the Lord began to to teach me what it meant to be a disciple, what it meant to to follow after the Lord, what it meant to look around and see other people, other believers who were who were living the way that God calls us to live, the way that His the way that His Word lays out for us that we should live. 
the Lord calling my heart, growing me up, introducing, introducing me to people within the youth group, within, within the church, within the community. And, and, and the Lord was really, really working in me, growing me up. There was a particular, about the time I was 14 years old, uh, Promise Keeper CD. Uh, there was a particular track on the CD. It's a, it, you know, we're familiar with, with this song. Um, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Now, as I think, as I think back, it's kind of weird that a 14-year-old kid would, um, you know, that that song would be, would be so important to him. But, but I say again that, that God's hand, I'm thankful for his hand in my life. And as, as a 14-year-old kid, I'm, there was a particular track on that CD. It was a cappella version. The timing was different. Everything about the song, it, it was different. Beautiful, beautiful song. But I remember thinking about the words of that song. And I, I want you to think with me for, just for a second. And you think about those words. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. You know, all of us here this morning, if our hope is on anything other than Jesus' blood and righteousness, then our hope is in the wrong place. Then our, our, the plans that we have, the hopes that we have are misguided and they're in the wrong place. There is no other place that our hope can be than on Jesus' blood and Jesus, his righteousness. God provided a way for us to be forgiven and for us to be made right through his son, Jesus. And, and at, at that particular time, as I was 14 years old, I remember seeing, seeing things on the news that, that just kind of just kind of troubled me a little bit. And, you know, there, there were, and, and it should trouble you. There were, there were Christians who were being persecuted uh, in other, other countries. They were, being, they were being beheaded because of their faith. Uh, they, were, they were on their knees, tied up, shackled before these, before these evil men and they were, they were presented with the opportunity, with the, with the chance to deny their faith, deny the name of, of Christ, and live, or their, their life would be, would, be, uh, would be required, would be taken from them. And I remember thinking as a 14-year-old kid, how would I respond? You know, the truth is, is that none of us in this room know exactly how we would respond in that situation. We can think, we can hope, we can, we can pray, and that's what I did. I remember praying, I'm like, Lord, you know, if I'm ever in a situation like that, I pray that you would give me the strength to, to not to not, not try to talk my way out of it, to not lobby for my life, but to simply sing the words of that song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And I remember thinking about that, and I'll come back to that in just a second. And, you know, further with my testimony, again, God, God continued to grow me up, had me there. I can say through all of this, this you know, what, what I'm, sharing, I'm here sharing with you this morning about a, about a very tragic accident that, was, that has you know, turned our lives upside down since, since January 28th. Uh, but, but I can tell you with complete confidence, with complete assurance, that God is sovereign, that, that, that this didn't take God by surprise. As, as you know, hindsight's 2020, and we've had the opportunity to, to look back and reflect on, on things that have happened over the years. And I am, I am 100% convinced that God is sovereign. We, we've said that for, for years and years. We've, we've grown up in church believing and knowing that God's in control. He's omnipotent. He's, he's omniscient. He's sovereign. And, and praise God, through this, through this year, all those things have been reaffirmed in my, in my heart and in my faith. He is sovereign. I see the hand of God on my, on my life and in my family, and I'm thankful for him for that. You know, God allowed me to, to, to meet my wife, Rachel. A funny story that I'll tell very quickly. Uh, Rachel, uh, many of you know, uh, they moved from Mobile. Uh, she, she grew up in Mobile all the way up from the time she was born. She she uh, went to her junior year at Faith Academy in Mobile, and about the time at the end of that year, uh, the plant that, uh, that her dad, Mr. Rick, worked at closed down. The plant shut down. He began to look for a job, and the Lord allowed him to see a little ad 
in a Mobile newspaper for uh, uh, hiring at, at Power South at the plant. And he he uh, he, he and uh, Miss Nancy prayed about it. They ended up putting for putting him for the job, and uh, and God blessed them with that job. I say blessed because you think for a second how difficult it is for a family who who was born and raised in Mobile, lived there the lived there their whole life to to suddenly leave Mobile and come to Covington County, Andalusia, Rose Hill, Alabama, where they ended up ended up finding a home. And uh, you know here, here's the story. They were. They, uh, they they bought a home, which is where uh, where they my, my in-laws currently live now at the at the uh, caution lot in Rose Hill, downtown Rose Hill, we like to say. And uh, they they uh, they bought that home there, lived there. So that's only about five minutes from from good news. But because when I when they first moved here, Mr. Rick met I'm sure he met many of you that that, that may work with him or uh, got to know him through through work. They actually started coming here for for when they first moved here. They I asked her this morning. She wasn't quite quite confident on how many months, but for several months, they, they came here and, um, you know, served here for a little while. You know, again, I went to Op and I went to Good News, so um, I didn't go to church here. I didn't go to Strawn, so she and, I, she and I had not met, but it was one morning, one Sunday morning, again, in God's sovereignty and his provision that they were, they woke up, they were getting ready for church one morning and the iron broke. Uh, I think the, I don't know if it was, you know, the alarm clock didn't go off or whatever, but they were they were behind. They were running behind that morning, and 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 Mr. Rick don't want to be late, so there was no way they could get here on time. So they just made you know, which hey, to their credit, instead of just saying hey, we're not going anywhere this morning, they said I think we got time. We could just go to the church down the road right there. It's a good news, and uh, and God's God's provision, He brought her to me through through those circumstances, and we met. Uh, she's been there ever since. I've been there ever since, and I'm thankful to God for that. Uh, she and I have been married for 15 years now. We have six beautiful children that I'm thankful for. And she and I have been teaching the college-age class at Good News for about nine or ten years now. Uh, we've had that opportunity. It's been, uh, it's been a challenge, but it's been a, it's been a privilege. And, and I want to take you, I told you already, that the accident happened, many of you are aware, the accident happened Thursday, January 28th. I want to take you back one day, Wednesday night, January 27th. Again, telling you on Wednesday night, we're working with the college class. We have been working through the book of Acts and, and all the, the amazing, miraculous things that were going on in the book of Acts. How you know, Jesus had been crucified. He had risen from the dead. The, the apostles were, were passionate about preaching the truth, the preaching the gospel that they had lived, that they had seen. They were out every day. Their number one priority was to share what Jesus had done, who Jesus was, that he was the Son of God. He was the Messiah. He was the way. He was the way to be forgiven. They were preaching repentance. Repent of your sins. Believe in Jesus as the Messiah. And praise God that as we read through the book of Acts, there were God and his power and his ability was, was demonstrating these miracles, was, was performing these, these great uh, acts, these miracles where he was bringing people back to life. He was healing people that had been sick for years and years. And specifically on that night, on January 27th, we were in, we were in Acts chapter 9. And there's two, uh, you guys will probably be familiar, but there's a, there's a man named Aeneas who had been paralyzed for eight years. And, and you know, the apostles coming through, they're preaching, preaching the truth during the day, and they become aware. You know, people are coming to them and say, hey, you know, so-and-so's sick, so-and-so's dealing with this, so-and-so's got this going on. And, and they were preaching the truth, and then God in his power was, 
was, was doing these miracles, was performing these miracles through the apostles to further verify or give uh, validation to the truth that they were preaching. He was, he was saying, almost like he was saying amen, his stamp of approval on what they were speaking with these miracles that were being pre- performed. And, and Aeneas was healed. He'd been, like I said, he'd been paralyzed for eight years. The whole community knew Aeneas was paralyzed. Everybody knew. It's common, common knowledge. But, but here God moves and God heals him restores strength to his bones, and he's able to walk and, 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 and go about a, a more normal life. But praise God, the apostles were faithful to give God the glory. They didn't, they didn't take that glory in, on, the, on, them, on themselves and their ability and their power, but they returned the glory and the power to God. That is, this, is, this is the power of God through Jesus is what they began to, what they uh, day after day were preaching and, and saying. So he healed Aeneas. And then there was a lady named Dorcas or Tabitha. The Bible, Bible calls her by both names. And she, she got sick and she died. Uh, all, all we know about, about Dorcas or Tabitha was that she was a, a sweet older lady who, who did some kind of quilting, did some kind of sewing, made blankets, made, made, made garments of some kind. And people were, were extremely saddened. By, by her by her death and here here she'd been dead for days the apostles come in preaching truth and then praise god they come in they pray over her and he god raises her from the dead raises her from the dead a, a miracle unbelievable miracle raises raises her from the dead the whole whole congregation the community sees what what god's done and once again the apostles return praise and glory to to god for his power and his his might and we, 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 we finished that class that night, and, and everybody left, and, and, and me and two other guys stayed back after class, and we were talking. And we were talking about how, like, like many of you, we've said for years and years that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's the same God today that he's, that he's always been. The same God that we read about in his word that tells us that he parted the Red Sea, that he, that, let me back up for that, that he created the universe as we know it. That, that he, he performed these miracles in, in Old Testament on demonstrating his power through, through, through claiming his people, the, the Israelites, through, through, through Egypt and, and all the plagues, the Red Sea, the, the amazing things that he did that we read about, that we're reminded of. We, we, we sang about some of those things this morning. We're reminded of how good he is. He's still the same God today. And we were talking about that thing. I want you to think about that for a second. You know, that those those children back there in children's church right now, there's no no telling what they're what they're learning, what they're talking about. But from the time we were kids, we've we've thought and we've focused on that God is an awesome, powerful, miracle-working God. And I got news for you, He's still today the same miracle-working God that He was then. And we were talking about those things, me and those two other guys standing there, and we were like, you know, the desire of our heart is to see God do big things, not not for our own credit or for our own goodness, but for for the name of for his, for his name's sake, for his glory, so that, so that we may be in a position to give him praise and to give him glory. And standing there that night talking, about those two, talking with those two guys, we believe God's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's still a miracle-working God today, just as he was then. You know, Philippians 1.27 says that we are to walk worthy of the gospel. You know, if you're here this morning and you're a believer, you claim the name of Christ. The scripture says that we are to walk worthy of the gospel. You think about what that means for a second. That's a that's an overwhelming burden. That's a challenge for each one of us that we are to walk. We are to live our lives. That's what it means by, by that walk. We are to live our lives in a way that's worthy of the gospel in everything we do. We're, we're all sinners. We all, we all fail. We have failures. We have weaknesses. But the scripture says that we are to walk worthy of the gospel. I, I say again, that's, that's, a, that's a challenge, a, a burden for each of us. But the truth is, is that God, God commands us to walk worthy of the gospel. If we want to make a difference, 
if we want to be in a position to earn people's trust and have, have the type of relationship with people that we could, we could deflect praise and glory to God, then we must walk worthy of the gospel. If we live a, a, a wretched life Monday through Saturday, we're not in a position to give God glory. We're not walking worthy of the gospel. There's nothing about our life. Now, we can't do it in our own ability and our own strength. We need God to do that, but we have to walk worthy of the gospel. Um, Second Chronicles 16.9 says that, that the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro, seeking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are turned towards him. Think about that for a second. I'll say it again. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro. He's, he's here this morning. His eyes are roaming to and fro, and he's seeking to show himself strong on our behalf if our hearts are turned towards him. He desires to, to, to do great things. He desires to do things. As we, as we walk worthy of the gospel and we present our bodies as living sacrifices, seeking to make a difference. The desire of God, his heart, is to show himself strong on our behalf for his glory. And we were talking about those things that, that Wednesday night, one night before the accident. He's still the same miracle-working God that, 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 that he always has been, that we need to walk worthy of the gospel so that we can be in a position to deflect praise and honor to him, and that he's looking. It's his desire to do big things. And we talked about those things that night. We, you know, we finished talking, we go eat, we go home that night, get in the bed, Wake up the next morning, Thursday morning, come on to work, and uh, just, just like any other Thursday morning, looking at the time, pick it up a notch right here. So uh, Thursday, January, January 28th, come to work just like any other, any other day. Uh, we we're kind of split up that day doing different things. A couple of us on, on one side of the county, a couple of us over, over in Evergreen doing some things that morning. There was a particular um, uh, incident we had with a, with a switch there at Perry Store, which is where the, uh, where the accident happened. Switch was malfunctioning. I'm not going to go into a whole bunch of details. I just want to tell you just enough. I just want to tell you just enough of kind of what happened so that, so that you can see the power of God. I, I, that's, that's my only, my, my desire is not to, um, not to glorify any accident whatsoever, but I want to tell you enough to glorify God. So we get there, switch is malfunctioning. Uh, the decision was made that, that the switch is going to be bypassed. We go through, we start, uh, we start, you know, doing some, doing some different things, making preparation for that. I remember calling Rachel. Uh, that was probably uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, I told Rachel, I said, I don't know how late I'm going to be, but I'm going to be a little late today. I'm not going to get off on normal time just so she could, she could plan out her afternoon. Uh, how considerate of me to do that, right? I'm going to be a little late. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's an understatement of the year right there. Um, so, so I'm going to be a little bit late, not going not to get off at normal time. We go on through. Uh, many of you, many of you uh, this community, you, you, know, uh, you know, you've already heard a lot about what happened, but... But, but Michael and I, who, who, uh, who was in the accident with me, Michael and I were in the bucket. Uh, we were 70, 75 feet in the air bypassing this switch, um, you know, like, like we were asked to do. Um, do. Going through this process, similar, similar job to what we had done before. And I, I, next month, December the 12th, I will have been at Power South for 12 years. Hard, hard for me to believe. Uh, uh, unbelievable for me to get my mind wrapped around that. Michael's been there for about... Uh, about 11 years, 10, 11 years. We, we've worked. We, we, we have a, a very healthy respect for the, for the danger of the, the job that we have. It's not something that, that I, can, I can tell you with confidence that it's not something that we've ever taken lightly. Um, there's always been a, a, an awareness and a knowledge of, of how dangerous our job is. We know how dangerous it is. We were working on this line. We knew it was energized. We knew that it was, uh, this line was hot. That's something that we have to do from time to time. And that was the decision that was made this day. And, and again, without going into all the details, I want you to know, just, just, like you, just like you see in the movies, 
just like you've read about in books, you, just like you've thought about, just like that, in the, in the snap of a finger, as quick as you could possibly imagine, we went from doing what we were doing to suddenly being electrocuted. 115,000 volts began to, began to pass through our body. I tell you, 115,000 volts, I say it again. Think about for a second, and I've shared with, with, with most every church I've been to, that in, in the execution chair, they use, they use about 2,500 volts. That's what they use to execute somebody. And, and for a period of time, Michael and I were exposed to 115,000 volts. I can tell you with, with, with complete confidence that, that I should have never, Michael or I, neither one, should have ever known what hit us. We should have never, never known whatsoever. It should have killed us just as fast as it happened. But I want to tell you what I remember. I can tell you that I have no, I have no visual memory of, of from, from the moment it happened until, until I woke up. But I, I, have, I have what went through my mind. I have what went through my heart as I sat there in the hospital and I thought about trying to make sense of, of what happened. The first, the first moment that this electricity began to pass through our body, I, I, guess, I, guess, I guess, I don't know, maybe, maybe my eyes were just closed, but, but I, began to, I began to try to, to, I need to get away from it. I got I gotta, some way I got to let go of it. But if you know anything about electricity, electricity makes your, makes your muscles clench. I mean, and you can imagine, you can try to imagine what, what 115,000 volts will, will do to your body. It was a, it was a full body contraction, and there was no way to, to get away from it. The, the next moment, I began to think about what this was doing to my body. We, we've, we've watched, uh, you know, video after video about about how dangerous the job is and what electricity does, how it burns you from the inside out and how dangerous it is. And I began to think about, I can't let go of it. I know what this is doing to my body. So very quickly, my, my thoughts, my, my, my mentality tra- transitioned to, I can't get away from it. I know what it's doing to me. This is it for me. This is my time. Again, I can't tell you how many, I can't tell you how, how many seconds it was that my thought process went from this to this to this. But, but very quickly, I went from, I can't get away from it, I know what it's doing to me. This is it. This is my time. But I want to I tell you this this morning, with, in, in a way that I, that I can't, I'm going to try, but I can't describe to you the peace that I felt. The presence of the Lord was there with me in that moment in a way that, that I, have, I, have, I have said time and time again from the time I was in the hospital, an inexplicable peace. You can try as hard as you can to explain <clears throat> what the presence of the Lord feels like in that moment. But I felt it. I felt him there with me like I've never felt before. Like I said, Lord saved me when I was nine. I've walked with the Lord. I'm not perfect, but, but I've seen the Lord's hand. I've seen the Lord's work in my life, but I felt him in that moment <clears throat> like I'd never felt before. The presence and the peace that was, that was there with me was, was tangible. I could, I could feel it. It was, it was as real as anything I've ever, ever experienced. I remember feeling myself slipping away. I'd never passed out before, but I, I felt myself slipping away. And the last thought that I had, the last, the last thing that I wanted to express is, is I, I tried to communicate in some way, whether it was through, a, through some mumble, whatever it was, I tried to express. I didn't, I didn't know if Michael could hear me. My, I, again, my eyes were closed. I had no, no idea what was going on with Michael, but I wanted to express, I love the Lord and I love Rachel. That was the last, those were the last thoughts that I had as I, as I slipped away. What I thought was, was completely, I was completely confident that my time here on earth was over, that I was, I was no more. My time here on earth was over, that I was going to open my eyes and be in the presence of my Lord and Savior. I wanted to, I wanted to communicate. In that moment, the peace 
that I had, the confidence that I had in my God and my Savior was that I wanted to express that I love the Lord my God and I love Rachel. And that's the last memory I had. I, 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 I passed out, um, you know, talked to different people that were there over a period of, uh, of, a, of a couple, two, three, four minutes. I don't know how long. Passed out on the bottom of the bucket. I remember, I remember starting to wake up. And again, I'm, I'm trying to find another gear. I began to try to, to, try to wake up. And it felt just like, I, I try, to, try to describe it like this. It felt just like waking up from a dream or from a nightmare. You, you, guys, you guys have been dreaming. You've been, you've been deep in a dream or some, some maybe, maybe it was not such a good dream. Maybe it was a nightmare. And you begin to wake up. And you're going through the process of trying to distinguish, trying to differentiate between what's reality and what was a dream. You know, you're kind of halfway in, you're kind of halfway out. Was that what, what really happened? Am I, am, you know, where am I? And I, 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 remember, I remember the thought going through my mind. That didn't just really happen. And when, when I opened my eyes, I'm just going to be at home in my bed. That didn't just happen. But I remember opening my eyes, and, and Michael and I are in the bottom of the bucket. Uh, very, very, very bad, ugly sight. Um, and, and, and my eyes open, and I look over at him. Um, he, he looked he looked very very rough. I remember just the thoughts that went through my mind. I couldn't speak. Just as I felt my senses leaving me, whenever I passed out, my, my senses had not come back to me yet. I had opened my eyes. I could see, but I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't really move yet. I couldn't talk. But but in a weird way, I could feel it. I could feel it coming back to me. And I, and I was able to I was able to speak over over some period of time. And I. And when I said his name, I saw his eye, I saw his eyelids quiver and his eyes open, and I'm, I was so thankful for that. <clears throat> you know, he and I are communicating with each other, trying to figure out what's wrong. We're able to stand up. Uh, I remember looking down, and, and I remember the question being asked, "Are y'all okay?" And, and I'm, I'm pretty confident my response was, "I don't know. I don't know." Um, go through a process of, of some things that had to happen in order for us to actually get down. Uh, there was actually a clamp still on the wire that was still hot. You know. Through all the commotion, everybody that was there assumed that, you know, there's been a fault. There's been, there's been something that's, that's tripped the line out. Breakers have opened. But this, this line that our, our, our clamp is still on is still energized. We, we didn't know that at the time. I, you know, again, you can imagine, <laughs> try to imagine what, what, what state I was in. But it, it was, you know, boss man on the ground said, Hey, Heath, I need you to, I need you to take that clamp off so we can get you down. And I remember reaching out with, with this hand, with my bare hand, and, and grabbing, had, had to use a screwdriver to loosen the clamp, loosened it, and then, and then unscrewed it with my, with, my, with my hand. And when I, pulled that, when I pulled that clamp off of the wire, it drew that electrical arc right, right, off, of that, right off of that wire to get us now where we're de-energized. Listen, that, that should have that should have burned me. It should have, you know, there should have been there should have been some some effect from that. Even if even if the the initial 115,000 volts didn't kill us, there should have been something from that. But God's hand was there. He, his His presence, and somehow in some way, I've tried to make sense of it. The hand of God shielded us from 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 the blunt of that electricity. There's obviously effects. Um, you know, our bodies have been through a lot. Uh, holes out the bottom of our uh, of my feet, out the back of my leg, uh, my hand in very bad shape. But but they they eventually get us down to the ground. I remember walking over again. I'm I'm going crazy. I'm fixing to close up here in just a second. I remember walking over as I was able to get out of the bucket, still the whole way down, trying to talk to Michael, trying to assess: Are you okay? Am I okay? You know, what can, can you can you give me anything? Can you talk? I don't know what I don't know what's going on with me. I don't know how bad it is. He don't know how bad it is with him. I get down. I walk over. 
towards the front of the bucket, and I and I I have my phone, this same same phone, this phone it was in my pocket, and I call I call Rachel, and she answers, which is a miracle, another miracle in itself, and 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 I tell her, I say I say Rachel, I, I want you to know, there's been an accident, and regardless of what happens, I'm okay. I want you to know that that I'm okay. I wanted her to feel, I wanted her to know that that I wasn't panicked, that that I didn't know what would happen. I I, I still didn't know how bad it was. Again, thinking about what electricity does to your body, I didn't know how bad it was, but I wanted her to feel the peace. I wanted her to know that I was confident that I was right with my my Savior, and I I felt his presence from there, and and I I was able to communicate that to her in, in a conversation that lasted less than a minute hung up. I remember, I remember the guys that were there laying, laying me down in the field there, taking my boots off. The look on their face said, it's not good. I remember that. And listen, here, here's where I come back to what I told you earlier. With obviously 911 had been called, paramedics are coming, they're on the way. And at that time, they begin to, they begin to, to file in the field. Paramedics everywhere. Some of them going over and checking on Michael to my right. Some of them here checking on me. Kind of, kind of. Yeah, I paint a picture of, of of chaos. I paint a picture of of everybody kind of panicked and scurrying around. But in some weird way, it was it was as it was as in in my memory in my mind it was as it was as serene and calm and peaceful as as I could. I, I can't I can't describe it to you. These paramedics are coming up to me. I see I see paramedics that that maybe coached me in ball when I was 13 years old. And I see them and. And, I, and I'm looking at them, and, and, and it was almost like the Lord walked up beside me as I lay in that field with those paramedics, and he, and he put his hand on my shoulder. And out of nowhere, the words to that song from, from 14 years old came back. And, and, it was, and I began to very lightly, I'm not a good singer, but I began very lightly to sing, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Laying there in that field, not knowing if I was going to live or die, the Lord put his hand on my shoulder. I felt his presence were there with me, and I knew my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I didn't know what would happen. They loaded us up into an ambulance for a little while, got got my heart on the monitor. I can tell that it's in AFib. It's it's crazy out of rhythm. There's no rhythm whatsoever to it. Load me up in the helicopter. I I remember flying out. Sun was going down, strapped on that board, laying in that helicopter, looking out over the helicopter, Wondering, thinking, would this be, as I see the sun go down, you know, is this, this is the last, last sunset I'll see on this, this Thursday uh, evening, January 28th. I get to the hospital that we go through, Michael and I both go through uh, uh, surgeries uh, that first night. Um, met some amazing doctors, amazing nurses, as, as, I, as I close earlier, these last, last couple comments. For after, after a day or two, after... After I, I guess got off. Maybe they maybe they backed off on some of the medication that they originally put us on, and I began to I began to think about trying to process what had happened, <clears throat> try to make sense of it all. I lay there, and my 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 mentality transitioned to why why did God why did God intervene? Why did God save my life that day? And and, and guys, I laid there for 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 days, thinking and pondering about what what is God up to. Why did God choose to do that? Listen, I can tell you, I'm not perfect, but I can tell you that God didn't save my life that day to give me an opportunity to get right with him. I, I'm, I know I, my eternity is secure. My faith is in him. I know that with complete confidence. I know that I'm right with him through, through his mercy, his grace, his long-suffering, through his forgiveness, through Jesus' son. Praise God, I know that I'm right with him. He didn't, get, he didn't save my life to give me an opportunity to get right. 
So why? I lay there and I think about, he saved my life. You know, the girl sang that song uh, just a little bit ago. He saved my life to give me an opportunity to stand before you today and to stand before other people, anybody that will listen, and to proclaim the truth, to proclaim the, the name of Jesus Christ, the power of God, what he's capable of, that he is still the same miracle-working God today that he's always been. Listen, as you, you think about your life, you think about your heart, why are you still here? You know, what's, what's going on in your heart? You think about the priorities that you have. Those apostles, the number one priority that, that they had was to speak truth, was to proclaim the truth of the gospel more than anything else. That's why God, God, God has us here. As, as we came home, you know, we, we stayed in, I stayed in the hospital for 77 days, 11 weeks. Went in on Thursday night, got out on Thursday around lunch. 77 days we were in the hospital. I remember coming home. The, the, first, time we, the first time we came to church was a, was a Wednesday night. And I remember walking in. Uh, we have a door over here, a piano over here. We have, got some pews over here just like you were. I was sitting about where, you, where you're sitting there at, at church. Everybody coming over, uh, talking to us, glad to see us, all that. Everything kind of settles down. And Jay, Jay stands up and he begins to, begins to start. And, and again, it felt like the Lord laid his hand on my shoulder and he allowed me to see a casket. He allowed me to see, I mean, it was just as, just as clear. It's, it's, not my, it's not my personality to, to, to say things like this, but, but, but the Lord, he allowed me to see that casket up there before Jay. And it, and it, it came over me like, like, like a ton of bricks. Like the Lord saying, you know, he, if it were not for, for my power, if it were not for me saving your life, the next time that you would have been in this church would have been right there. That was the next time that you should have been in this church. You shouldn't be here. Doctor after nurse after nurse said, you shouldn't be here. We, we've, we don't operate on people that have been electro, electrically burned as bad as you and Michael have because they don't live. People don't live when they're burned as bad as you are. You shouldn't be here. And, and, and I, was, I was thinking about that. And, and, and the truth is, you know, there's a lot going on in our world today, a lot of, a lot of sickness, a lot of fear about, about sickness, a lot, of, um, a lot of different things going on. God is the giver and sustainer of life. Apart from God, there is no life. There's no, there's no other giver, there's no other sustainer of life other than, than God Almighty, the God that we serve. So you're here this morning. He's given you life, just like, he, just like he saved my life and he allowed me to still be here so that I could stand before you, so that I could be the husband and the father that God's put me to be. He's put me here to be. He's given you life. He's given you breath in your lungs. The question is, what are we doing with it? Are we, are we taking advantage of the breath and the life that he's given us? Or is he honored? Is he pleased with the lives that we're living? Are we returning praise and glory to him for what he's done? Or are we going through the motions? Are we stuck in a rut? Are we just muddling through life, chasing after what we think are our dreams? Or are we focused on what's important? And then and then in this Another thought the Lord, I was in Sunday school a couple months ago, and, you know, we were talking about, talking about some different things. And when I was growing up, about uh, around that same time, Mom and Dave both worked. I have an older brother that's two and a half years older than me. We stayed at home during the summer. Mom and Dave would go to work, and we'd have a list of chores that we had to do, you know, laundry, dishes, all those different things that we had to do. And every, every day, uh, my brother and I, we would, uh, we, you know, just like any 12, 13, 14-year-old boy would do. We knew how much time we had. You know, mom and dad don't get off till 3 o'clock. You know, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. I, got, I, can, I can play another game of uh, NCAA uh, 99 or whatever it might have been way back then. I can play another game. Um, I, can, I can do this because we thought we knew how much time we had. And, and, and again, it's like the Lord spoke to me. It's like the Lord, you know, the truth is that a lot of us are living our lives that way. We know what we need to do. We know what God's commanded us to do. We know that God's commanded us to walk worthy of the gospel. 
We know that God desires to show himself strong on our behalf. But we got time for that. We, got, we, we don't have to do that right now. Yeah. I'm still young. I got time. I can put it off. But the truth is that we don't know. Just like in going back, you know, uh, Brother Jason said we're going to be in Psalm 103. I didn't even, I didn't even know we were going to be in Psalm 103. But just like in Psalm 103, it says at the end of it, it says, As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. Listen, we don't know what tomorrow holds. That Thursday, I didn't know I was going to be electrocuted. If I had known, if I had known that, I probably, I, you know, we, we're going to find a different way. Something else we've got to give. We, we don't know what tomorrow holds. All we know is today. And, and God, God has given us an opportunity. He's given us the breath in our lungs, the life that we have, to be the husbands that he's called us to be, to be the wives that he's called us to be, to be the fathers, the mothers, the brothers, the sisters. Listen, the scripture says that we are to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, but we are to get together. We are to remind each other of who God is, of what he's done, and we are to consider how we can stir one another up to love and good works. So that's what I'm doing here. That's, that's the desire of my heart this morning, is to, is to consider you, is to challenge you, is to implore you. Think about what's important. Be reminded, a sense of urgency. We don't know what tomorrow holds. The people that, the people that we rub shoulders with, they need more than anything. They need Jesus. And, and the only way, if the gospel is hidden, the Scripture says that if the gospel is hidden, it's hidden from the lost. We, as his messengers, we as his people, we are called to speak, speak the truth and to share it with boldness as our number one priority out of love because God has loved us and he's done that for us. I'm going to pray. I'm going to turn it back over to Jason. I apologize for going a few minutes over. Pray with me as I turn it back over to him. And I, I plead with you. Think about, think about God in your, in your own heart, in your own life. What is, what is God? God knows our hearts. He knows our needs. He's, he's communicating. He's able to meet any need that we have. I plead with you to do business with God today. Let me pray and I'll turn it back over. In Jesus' name, Lord, we come to you and we pray that you would, you would be with us right now. Lord, that you would, uh, you would draw our hearts to yourself. Again, I say and I, I believe with all my heart that you know every one of us here, Lord. You know our needs. You are still a miracle-working God. Lord, you're able, to, you're able to heal physically. You're able to save spiritually. Lord, you've sent your Son so that we may be for, forgiven of our sin, Lord. I pray that you would move in a way this morning in a way that only you can. Lord, I trust you. I pray that you would, you would bless us. You would challenge us. You would convict us this morning, Lord. Lord, you are good, and we trust you to work in a way that, that you desire to work, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.